morning we're doing something a little bit different. Um, I don't think we've ever done this at Heritage for Brethren in Christ, so welcome. Um, we're actually going to have, um, we were planning on having Cesar Garcia, who I'll tell you a little bit about in a second. We're planning to have him, but due to immigration issues, him and his family were not able to come down. So we got a little bit creative, and he's actually recorded his sermon already, so we'll actually be broadcasting it on our screens up front, something we've never done. So I'm grateful to Pastor Hannah and her team for also setting up these monitors, so hopefully that increases visibility, not just for this morning. Um, Cesar is the General Secretary for Mennonite World Conference. Uh, Mennonite World Conference is this global Anabaptist this uh, network. It has 58 countries, 1.47 baptized members. Um, in fact, in 2015, they had their big general assembly here in Harrisburg. So a lot of us were actually introduced to Cesar at that time because he spoke at our church in 2014 as preparation for that event. So this is the second time, and our hope is to maybe have him when his immigration status is more established in Canada. Our hope is to have him hopefully sometime in 2022. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Cesar because I found some of these things interesting in talking to him and looking up more about him. But he actually came into the Anabaptist as 11 years old. Um, in Colombia, like I said, he's the first, uh, first leader from the Global South in the Mennonite World Conference, which I think is fairly significant. At uh, 11 years old, him and his mom were looking for a church. In fact, he was a surprise to his mom who had him at 45, which I think that's a surprise for a lot of people. Um, but they visited a bunch of different churches, and he fell in love with the Mennonite Brethren Church. So at 11 years old, he told his mom, this is our church. And that was kind of his introduction to Anabaptist theology. Since then, God has kind of grown grown in him this um, just level of learning and understanding and being able to be a bridge connector. He attended Catholic schools in Colombia, but then worked at a Christian radio station, which was very interesting because even though Colombia is a very Catholic country, as the rise of Protestantism, as the rise of really Pentecostalism, he would interact with a lot of these different people on the radio station. Um, what I think is interesting, too, is that 19 is when he said he really gave his life to the Lord. He said he was at a service, and he heard the speaker says that God doesn't look at us as a problem, but as possibility in our hands. And I thought that stuck with him at 19, and that stuck with me at 38. I love that. God doesn't look at us as a problem, but as possibility in our hands. So this morning, we are excited to have Cesar share with us. Again, he's a church planner. He's a general church leader. Their church, um, their family uh, kind of went to Kitchener, Ontario in 2019. That was kind of where they reparked, um, and that's where he works out of. So again, we're excited to have him. We're going to have a short minute, like th I think three minute-ish video to kind of tell you more about what Mennonite World Conference is, and then we'll go straight into a sermon. Um, we're excited as we begin this series of Advent. His sermon is entitled Hope for Everyone. As we think about and focus and worship together, think about the hope that Jesus brings, may we be blessed through his worship. Pero habrán tiempos en donde reconocemos nuestra necesidad de caminar en comunidad. Habrán momentos en donde necesitamos recibir ayuda. No matter the times, Mennonite World Conference brings together Anabaptist-related churches to a worldwide community of faith for fellowship, worship, service, and witness. We walk together as equals, churches from the Global North and the Global South, each with gifts to share. The Faith and Life Commission receives and provides counsel on Christian faith and practice participating in ecumenical dialogues on behalf of the Mennonite family, and producing resources to help the church think theologically on issues facing them practically. The Mission Commission stimulates partnerships that advance our global witness to the good news of Jesus, and organizes the Global Mission Fellowship and Global Anabaptist Service Network. 
the Peace Commission develops resources to help churches seek justice in Jesus' name and creates networks of learning and sharing between practitioners. The Deacons Commission communicates care to the Anabaptist family through the prayer network, solidarity visits, and the Global Church Sharing Fund. From young Anabaptists to the emerging network of health, peace, and education, and the newly emerging Creation Care Task Force, MWC creates space for regional and global sharing on issues affecting the worldwide church today. Our challenge is this, how to be peacemakers when others choose to be violent? We are thankful for our global family who walks with us and prays with us. As a global family, we want to make sure our community stays informed. Through the semi-annual magazine Courier, we bring teaching and perspectives on Anabaptist theology and practices in global contexts. Through our monthly e-newsletter, MWC Info, we share news and testimonies from our brothers and sisters around the world. And the bi-monthly Prayer Network email connects us through praise and prayer. The commissions publish teaching materials on Anabaptist theology. These one-page statements and full-length books can facilitate in-depth study. To encourage fellowship with each other, we publish three worship materials each year. Anabaptist World Fellowship Sunday, YABS Fellowship Week, and Peace Sunday. These can be adapted and used by local churches. We are in the midst of marking the 500th anniversary of the Radical Reformation with Renewal 2028, a series of events to reflect on the birth of our movement, our present reality, and our hopes for the future. Last but not least, we invite you to participate in MWC's Global Assembly 2022 in Indonesia. Celebrate our common roots and study the Bible with Mennonites from around the world. Connect with churches in Indonesia, the fruit of Mennonites' first cross-cultural international mission. And learn how these churches share the gospel in a diverse nation with a Muslim-majority population. Explore the beauty of Indonesia and its neighboring countries in Asia-Pacific. Assembly only happens once every six years. Don't miss it. This is a time when we recognize our need to walk together in community, when we recognize our need to receive help and to help others. As members of Mennonite World Conference, let's walk together, following Jesus Christ, our hope. Greetings from my home in Canada. We are getting ready here for the upcoming holidays. There are a lot of decorations, a pesebre from Colombia, other adornments from Netherlands, from India, from Congo. All of this reminds me about our global church. In Mennonite World Conference, we are 107 national churches or conferences, bringing around 10,000 local congregations. These 10,000 local congregations located all over the world are getting ready for these seasons of celebrations. Speaking about our global church, some months ago in my local congregation in Colombia, a friend said to me, oh Cesar, how I envy you. Why? I asked her. You know, I work in a multinational company, she said. I deal with a lot of stress because of ongoing conflicts with my colleagues and bosses. 
But you, Caesar, you work with pastors and leaders of churches. What kind of conflict could you have? Of course, we know conflicts among leaders, polarization, and divisions are part of the church. Some days ago, I read a story told by a comedian from United States, Emo Phillips. He said, I was walking across a bridge one day and I saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off. So I ran over and said, stop, don't do it. Why shouldn't I? He asked. Well, there is so much to live for. Like what? Well, are you religious? He said, yes. I said, me too. Are you Christian or Buddhist? Christian. Me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? Protestant. Me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Baptist. Wow, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you Original Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? Reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God Reformation of 1879 or Reformed Baptist Church of God Reformation of 1915? He said Reformed Baptist Church of God Reformation of 1915. I said, die, heretic, and pushed him off. When I read this story created by Phyllis, I thought we could write this about us as Anabaptists. One of the things that we know how to do well is to fragment ourselves. That is very sad because the world is in desperate need of living examples of communities that deal with disagreements, cultural and racial differences, diversity and financial disparity in ways that do not imply fragmentation and exclusion. How the church handle conflicts ought to give hope to the world. The church is the community that can show to the world that it is possible to handle conflict without division or fragmentation. But as Anabaptists, we know that that has not been the case historically. Some months ago, I was reading an article in a Mennonite magazine. Its author said, quote, I am proud of leaving this church because that is the faithful thing to do, you know, when you have to sacrifice doctrine or sacrifice ethics, you have to leave, end quote. Of course, that puts you in a kind of dilemma. You have to decide between unity on one hand or doctrine or ethics on the other hand. Then we think that if it is necessary, we have to sacrifice unity and keep a healthy doctrine or good ethics. That is the way we have dealt with doctrinal and ethical conflicts in our Anabaptist history. We just do not know what to do with the Bible text 
that speak about unity and even more about koinonia, the Greek word for communion. You know, in some of our worship resources, we keep the Apostles' Creed, which ends with these sentences. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic or Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Communion is a biblical word that has to do with participating in the body of the living Christ. According to some Baptist theologians, quote, communion means sharing, mutual interests, generosity, participation in goods, sufferings, and grace. It means fellowship with Christ in the spirit, sharing the blessings of Christ's death and resurrection as part of his body. Communion entails living in the mission of God with others in mutual care, expressed not the least in hospitality and Eucharistic living. Such is the nature of the church, sharing by gracious calling the life of God in Trinity." End quote. As an Baptist, we tend to spiritualize communion or leave it to be experienced after our death when we join each other in perfect unity. However, in the biblical concept of koinonia or communion, I recover courage and hope in the church. Hope in the church as communion is the main topic of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Let's see the Apostle Paul's prayer at the beginning of his letter in verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. In these verses, the Apostle Paul is praying for us to get hope. It is fascinating to see the characteristics that hope has according to this passage. I find at least three. First, hope is an invitation. God calls us to receive this hope. It is a calling. The only thing that we can do is to decide to accept it or to reject it. Second, hope is something that we cannot produce by ourselves. According to the Apostle Paul's prayer, it is not possible to build this hope because it is something that is revealed to us, given to us. In other words, it is a gift, a gift from the Holy Spirit that God offers to us. Third, because of the way the apostle speaks, hope has to do with community because he talks about the church. You cannot enjoy this kind of hope in an individualistic way. It is something that you experience when you are part of the community of saints. 
So hope is an invitation, a gift from God, and it is communal. However, we have not yet defined what this hope is. To find a definition of hope, we need to take a broader look at the Ephesians letter. We need to see what is what Paul is speaking about when he talks about hope. So if we go some verses before, in verses 9 and 10, we find this. He has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In the context of gathering up all things in Jesus, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul speaks about hope. Then, some verses later in chapter 2, we find this. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. The idea of gathering up all things in Jesus is here again. Paul adds the concept of a new humanity made up of different people, actually from different groups. When he speaks about two different groups, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Two races that usually hate each other are becoming one body, one new humanity. Then in chapter four, the apostle Paul speaking again about hope mentions this, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. According to the Ephesians book, hope is related to the experience of unity in the body of Christ. That is what gives hope. Unity or communion not only provides hope, it is what allows us to reach the stature of the fullness of Christ. We don't reach the full stature of Christ by keeping the right doctrine, even though doctrine is fundamental. We don't get the full stature of Christ by proper ethics, even though ethics is crucial. According to the Ephesians book, the only way to arrive at maturity in Jesus Christ is to be together, despite the diversity of doctrine and ethics. That is possible only if Jesus is the center of our lives. That is possible only if we decide to enjoy this hope and receive it and experience it in the community because the only way of growing in our doctrinal and ethical differences is by conversation, by living together, by being 
one. And we know it is not easy. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what our churches around the world have been discovering. Some years ago, the BIC Church of Nepal, dealing with flooding, lost everything. Houses, food, jobs, church buildings. They saw Mennonites, Mennonite Bretons and other Anabaptist churches, sending them money and teams to support them. They realized that they, they were part of a global family of faith that overcomes nationalism. We are not alone. We are one body, and that gives hope. That was also Sang Ming Lee's experience a conscientious objector who was in jail for one and a half years because of his convictions about conscientious objection in South Korea. According to him, what kept him alive was the support of our global church through emails and Facebook posts saying in different languages, we are with you, we are praying for you. To these images, we can add several stories about the pandemic. you find some of them on our NWC website. We're speaking here about particular people, faces of people who are members of our global church, members of our transnational family with whom we walk together. We can decide to live our faith in a way in which communion is spiritualized or left for the afterlife or we can choose to receive and enjoy the gift of unity. We can be like this image made up of many small pictures of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They are here together without transmitting a message. Or we can be like this image made up from the same pictures of the Dead Sea Scrolls. An artist from the US organized the photos in a way that transmits a message. This artwork serves as a mirror to our church. We can decide to experience communion in a way that shows the very image of Jesus, becoming a source of hope to the world. Today, we see worldwide nationalisms. Conflicts managed destructively, hate, resentment, and lack of reconciliation. Let's follow Jesus together across barriers. Let's embody hope. Amen. Technology, guys. I think that's really cool. <laughs> we could hear that message from the Lord. Yeah, amen. <laughs> from Brother Garcia this morning. <clears throat> As we close, um, we're going to sing Hope for Everyone. Um, I'd invite you to stand if you're able. If you'd like to receive prayer, um, I'd also like to invite the pastors to come forward. Please feel free to do that. Um, let's embody hope together. It's beautiful. Just 
message brother Cesar reminded us that hope is three things that hope is an invitation that hope is communal and that hope is a gift the season I love how we transition as a greater culture anyway from Thanksgiving and focusing on all the blessings that we have to now this Advent season and as we go into Advent this last next couple weeks may we be reminded that Jesus who comes the God of the universe who becomes a baby is that invitation of God not only to our salvation but to relationship with him that Jesus is this gift that not only is for us, but it's for the world. And as we think about unity, may we pledge during this Advent season to be united as one, not just because of our doctrine or what we believe, but because of who we believe, because of how we live and because of how we love. Our Father and God, we thank you so much that in your son, Jesus Christ, we have hope. 
We thank you so much that in your son, Jesus Christ, we have this invitation, this gift to be united to you, but also to be united to one another. So God, now as we prepare to leave, we pray that we can recommit our lives to you this morning, recommit our lives to hope, knowing that hope is not individual, but it's communal, knowing that hope is not to be held, but to be shared, knowing that hope is truly Jesus Christ. So God, as we go into this week, help us to not only be reminded of how you bring hope, but how you call us to bring hope into our worlds. So Lord, bless our hearts, bless our minds, bless our conversations, bless our relationships, bless our interactions, bless our everyday scenes, that in this world we may be not just united together in what we believe, but in who we believe, but that in our unity, not just in doctrine and theology, but in our love for one another, that we're truly reflecting the image of Jesus, truly reflecting Jesus to our world. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that in you there's hope for everyone. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.